Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the Long Beach 30, a weekly podcast brought to you by the Long Beach Post and the 562.org. I'm your host, Mike Gardabasio, joined as always by the anonymous records request, JJ Fiddler. I am not going into a giggle fit right now. Each week, in just 30 minutes, we'll be bringing you the best news, politics, and entertainment from the city where uh, the weather cooled off. I'm, I'm glad that the weather cooled off. If you, like, if you like the show, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Tell everyone how much you appreciate the Long Beach 30. Be sure to tell your friends on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. This week, we're breaking down the top stories of the week, as well as being joined by Jason Ruiz. We're going to talk about the new agreement between the city of Long Beach and the police union, and what that means for people who are filing public records requests in the city. All that and more after the break here on the Long Beach 30. We were lucky enough to be included in the Jewels of the Night event at Long Beach State last weekend, basically their yearly fundraiser. And part of the fundraiser is they bring in a bunch of different restaurants into the pyramid, and you get to eat till your heart's content. And oh, did I ever eat. But you know what the best part of the eating at Jewels of the Night is every year? Naples Rib Company. No matter what they bring, it's always delicious, it's always hot, they've always got enough of everything, and it's Naples ribs, so you're never gonna go wrong with the brisket, with the ribs, with the chicken, with those sausage links, ooh, those sausage links with the extra barbecue sauce with a little bit of potatoes, I could eat that every day. You know what, I just might. So go down to Naples Rib Company, tell them Mike and JJ sent you, and I might just be there, so say what up. All right, we're going to start by taking a look at the top news stories from around the city. Um, JJ, did you ever read Dave Barry, humor columnist? Yes, I, I loved did. I loved Dave Barry growing up. I don't read enough anymore, if I'm being completely honest yeah, with you. I know, you're functionally <laughs> illiterate. Um, Dave Barry had a column, I think it was like one of his most famous columns. He was a humor columnist for the Miami Herald for a long time, but he was syndicated in the press telegram, and I used to always love when uh, his stuff would come in on Sundays. He wrote a column about... Uh, a whale that had come ashore, a dead whale that had beached. Barry and wrote that article? Okay, I read that yes. article and didn't realize it. And so then a, the city had to figure out, well, how do we get rid of this giant whale? You can't just, like, push it back into the ocean. So what they decided to do was blow it up. And there ended up being chunks of rotting whale carcass everywhere for, raining. like, two miles around. Yes, raining, yes. Raining I believe that's whale the specific, specific imagery used. Um, we did not quite get that in Long Beach. But if you lived on the peninsula, JJ, you, uh, a year ago, would have had a perfect view of this. There was a boat, a huge sailboat, that washed up uh, on the peninsula on last Friday evening. And work crews basically had no choice because it was a concrete sailboat. Uh, they had no choice but to just like take construction equipment out there and just like break it up. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, that's but it crazy. had that same kind of like folklore feeling I got when I read that Dave Barry column as a kid, and I was like, that must have been the talk of that town. And sure enough, I don't know if you saw the photos our friend Steve Carr has up at the at the post right now, but yeah, I mean they just brought out some heavy construction equipment. They started breaking it up, and there was just like. 30 or 40 people standing around on the beach watching it happen. Lived down on the peninsula for about three years, and I've got about 300 stories of the crazy stuff we saw down there from literal sharks <laughs> just swimming around like five feet away from us right there on the Peni to one morning, it was so foggy that you couldn't see maybe 25 yards out. And this boat comes flying at the shore without you know really seeing where it's going and has to bank really hard right in front of us the peninsula, dude. It's like the wild, wild west out there. 
in uh, sadder news uh, uh, involving the Long Beach boating community, I don't know if you saw this, but um, a man's boat uh, capsized after hitting the breakwater. There's a Corona man named Philip Collar from 55. He ended up uh, passing away. Uh, was just identified a few days ago. But uh, we know because we cover um, aquatic sports in Long Beach, so we cover open water swimming, you know, we know all those guys at the Yacht Club, we know all the people in the aquatic capital of America. You know, this really hit them hard, and it, it kind of reminded me of, we talked about this some with um, Sangmeister's Transpac thing. Mm-hmm. You really realize how much of a, co- a community all of the, those boaters are when, you know, I don't think most people in Long Beach probably knew this guy, but the fact that, this uh, horrible tragedy occurred in Long Beach. I mean, the, the people are really, like, moved and heartbroken by it. I don't know if it's just because I'm paying attention more, but I've noticed a lot of these, and it's not just happening on the West Coast. You look at a, uh, a kid, there's a famous Marlins pitcher who died in a similar accident. Yeah. They were just going right along and hit the breakwater hit, or right. a jetty or whatever, and, the, yeah. you know, that's that's a... It's not good. And, and so it's kind of a, one of those reminders, too, is like we got to remember boat safety. The first two things you're talking about are two boat safety issues where a guy is alone on a boat and all that stuff. So if you're out there on the bay, in the water, uh, we're going to be renting a pontoon boat uh, next weekend for uh, my father-in-law's birthday. When you're on the water out here in Long Beach, man, just be safe. Like better safe than sorry, pretty much in every single situation. And especially at night, obviously. Um, OK, uh our next story is sort of a preview for this Saturday. Um, we have been keeping you guys up to date on this throughout the weeks, uh, but it's finally this Saturday. The Billie Jean King Main Library is officially opening and being dedicated this Saturday, September 21st. Um, the event is going to begin at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday. Rough time. Um, <laughs> and uh, the speaker is the official part of the ceremony. will begin about 10.15 a.m. Um, the new library, almost 100,000 square feet. Um, it is beautiful. I've gotten a chance. We know some people over at the library. gotten a chance to see some of the stuff that's inside of there. Um, and it's unbelievable. It's exactly what the city deserves. Um, going to really be a huge boon, especially for the local kids and, uh, and students in the city. Um, what, what we're excited about is sports writers, Billie Jean King coming home, um, speaking at this dedication ceremony. Um, Char and I are going to go to a little get together beforehand with her, uh, before, 9.30 a.m. <laughs> Wish us luck. Um, We're making these jokes because Mike and I work very hard on Friday nights because it's high school football. JJ and I work till about... I, I finish work at 5 o'clock in the morning on Friday night. Yeah, so it's not any... <laughs> leisurely Friday night, usually for us in the fall. So anything on Saturday morning is always taken with literal grain of salt sometimes. And I can't, and this is another one of those ones where it's tough because it's like, I can't miss it. (laughs) Um, I did stay hydrated. I did. I think, uh, because, uh, we mentioned my wife, Shar is that she's the uh, president of the Long Beach Century Club, which was one of the groups that sort of helped, uh, move this thing along. Robble, robble. She, I believe solved for me the mystery of why it's happening so early. And I don't know if you've heard this as a Dodger fan, but Saturday night's Dodger game is going to be Billie Jean King night. That's this weekend, this Saturday, the same day, the same same day. Her people really know how to put a so schedule together. So it's bobblehead night. They're giving out Billie Jean King bobbleheads at Dodger Stadium on Saturday night. The uh, Century Club and the Long Beach Tennis Patrons uh, put together a thing where they're all taking a bus up there to go do that. I wish I could go to that, but I'll, I'll just be at the thing that happens four hours after we finish working. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was just thinking, like, I know Billie Jean King, she's experienced honors beyond what 
a reasonable person would ever even fantasize about for themselves, right? Uh, in the world of sports and in just the world. You might picture if you're a young tennis player winning Wimbledon, but you probably would not picture for yourself having a library in your hometown named after you or getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Right? Not because you won Wimbledon. Yeah. Because of the other stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So That's she, a pretty lofty she's goal. She's experienced all this stuff, but I was still thinking, like, my first question for when I see her on Saturday is, other than will you sign my book, is... <laughs> <laughs> is what kind of, like is this the biggest day ever like you're having the new multi-million dollar main library in your hometown where you grew up as a blue collar girl from the Wrigley on the wrong side of the tracks she always talks about they're naming the library after you and then you're gonna like hop in a vehicle and get driven to Dodger Stadium to throw out the first pitch and get a bobblehead of For yourself a franchise that you're a franchise that you partially own financially involved with <laughs> yeah that's gonna be a tough one to beat I'm thinking like wedding or something would yeah. beat that but other than that type hell of, of a the Saturday. type of day that kind of celebrates you it's gotta yeah. be that and like a 50th birthday maybe also wouldn't it be just hilarious if I like flipped it and was just super angry that they were naming the library after Billy you King? just decided now <laughs> yeah, is just the time. today. <laughs> Now I'm pissed about it. Um, Okay, this Thursday, this is going to come out on Thursday, September 19th. That is going to be a huge day for the Long Beach nonprofit community. Uh, We are not a part of this event this year, but I can guarantee you we will be next year. There's uh, an initiative called Long Beach Gives, where more than 75 nonprofits are basically going to use Thursday, September 19th, as their 24-hour crowdfunding period where you're going to see people all over your Facebook if you live in Long Beach all day saying give to this and give to this and and give to this. Um, and this is awesome. Their goal is to raise $350,000, like I said. Um, they have already raised almost $50,000 for those charities before they even get to the day. Crazy. Um, so we expect this to be a big deal. Uh, the Century Club, I mentioned my wife's the president of it. Uh, JJ and I have been uh, involved with them and their events for a long time. Um, as Long Beach's number one sort of sports organization. They're trying to pay for the middle school banquet tomorrow right? <laughs> on the 19th. So um, anyway, definitely give some credence. The Long Beach Public Library Foundation probably has. I would guess that'll probably end up being one of the biggest. Uh, MOLA is also doing one. But there's also more involved stuff like specific youth shelters um, for, you know, for underprivileged kids and everything. So if you've got an extra couple bucks to spend on the day before payday, uh, I strongly recommend you go. Just go on your Facebook. You're going to see the Long Beach Give stuff everywhere. Um, it's been blowing my feet up the last week, and like we said, it hasn't even. We haven't even gotten to the day yet. So, and I then had, yes, look for the five six two on that next year for sure. <laughs> yeah, I had nothing but love and respect for the uh, charity community of Long Beach before you and I entered it. And now that love and respect is only that much more now that I understand how much work these people put in and the fact that they're actually organizing nonprofits in order to make us all stronger. I, is that a great idea? I literally idea? didn't even think of that when we were talking a year and a half ago about starting our own nonprofit. Didn't even occur to me. Yeah. So once again, Long Beach outdoing my extremely high expectations for it. If you're familiar with, um, you know, they've turned like the Black Friday week into all these different things. So there's like local Saturday mm-hmm. or something. And the, one of the things in that week is Giving Tuesday, which is like, hey, you spent all this money on Christmas presents. Why don't you throw 20 bucks to a right. charity? It's basically like doing Giving Tuesday in September is sort of like the, the idea, the model of it. Like, let's just spend a day where everyone's just thinking about giving money to charities in their local community. What is your take on giving money to people who are on the street. And I, I don't want to call them homeless because sometimes that's not the case. And I don't want to call them bums because they're human beings. And you know what I mean? Right. You, you think of all these things, but like overall, 
when you are walking down the street, yeah. you know, do, like what's your take on that? Should we be a community that's giving uh, transients uh-huh. uh, money? Because it, does that mean that they're then going to stay there? Does that mean, you know, the, are we enabling them and all that stuff? What's, yeah. your, what's your take on it? We haven't talked about it in a while. Well, um, when I was in college uh, and I had no money, I would, you know, give change and stuff like that to people. Now I genuinely don't ever carry cash or coins. Mm-hmm. But um, what I will frequently do, especially if I see a family, if I see a, a mother or a father with a kid, yeah. um, I will oftentimes ask them if there's something they want from the place I'm going into. Um, and I think that for me always kind of separates like someone who might just be looking for money because they've got like an addiction problem or something, um, which like, you know, spend the money however you want. I wouldn't hold it against anyone for giving them money. Yeah. But to me, a, a problem that I feel really personally responsible for just as a, a engaged citizen is if there's a family, if there's a young kid, if there's a human being in the city that's hungry and I have an extra $2 to get them a bowl of rice from Chipotle or something, yeah. I'm always going to feel like that's my responsibility. So that's what I always ask. Because for me, that sort of separates separates it for me. Because no, that's very I'm, well said. Because we don't have any money, right? So I can't like go out and solve yeah, everyone's oh, problems yeah, for Then I'd be a transient. Right. But when, I'm, <laughs> but when I'm walking into a restaurant, if I go, you know, hey, like, I don't have any change, but do you want I never want, leave food on the table. Right. I never exa- leave food exa- on the table. Exactly. It always goes to somebody. Yeah. For sure. And I, I, I totally agree. And I always think of the um, speech from Isaac Jaffe in one of our favorite television shows, Sports Night, yeah. where somebody's like, I've got extra money. I don't know where to do with it. And he says, you know, every morning I wake up people, man. in a million dollar yeah. house, I take the bus to, or I take the train to work and on my way, I step over these people who spent the night on the sidewalk. And when I do, I drop them whatever I have. And the person says, don't you think they're going to spend it on booze or drugs? And he's right. like, kind of, I hope that they do because right. they're not one shower away from turning it all around. What's a little wrong with a little bit of Novocaine to get them through the night? Right. That's how I feel. But I also feel the way you feel too. So it's always a struggle with me where I'm like, am I helping this person get better? Right. Or am I helping them get worse? Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, uh, a, food is a great right. way to find well, the middle ground. And you know, I mean, on a personal note, I mean, that's like my dad drank himself to death, right? So, I mean, the way I look at those addiction issues and stuff, I don't necessarily, it's definitely like a hate the sin, not the sinner thing, but it's also like for me personally, I don't want my $2 that could go to getting gum for my kid or school supplies mm-hmm. for him to go towards someone drinking themselves to death. True. I mean, if that's what they're doing, that's for sure. Completely you know what legitimate I mean? concern. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the other thing we'll do, I mean, I do this around Second Street a lot, and, and you're right, you do hear from people who will be like, you shouldn't leave food or give money to people because it's going to encourage them to come back. But I just still like, if we go eat at second street and we, you know, Shar and I've got some food that I know I'm probably not going to eat as leftovers or something like that. I'll absolutely look for someone to give that to, or even kind of just find like a, a away from the street place to kind of yeah. like put it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and just leave it because I know someone's going to be looking for that food. So I don't know. That's yeah. my no, I, personal I, way out of the puzzle. I love that. <laughs> I think that's the way everybody should be at, you know what I mean? So I just, we hadn't talked yeah. about it in a while. And when we're talking about giving, that's giving that everyone in Long Beach can do every single day. Well, um, here's something that, you know, I actually think is very connected to what we've just been talking about. Um, you and I are, we grew up at a real interesting time. We graduated college in the recession and we are in the sort of prime workforce years of our lives during what, uh, something I really revile called the gig economy, (laughs) (laughs) the Postmates, uh, drivers, Uber and Lyft drivers, et cetera. Um, big changes are coming for the gig economy. This will even end up uh, impacting newspapers. 
because uh, the people they employ to drive uh, and deliver the newspapers kind of fall into this category. But California Governor Gavin Newsom on Wednesday signed a sweeping labor legislation bill that aims to give wage and benefit protections to rideshare drivers as well as workers in other industries. Um, quote, according to De- Democratic Assemblywoman uh, Lorena Gonzalez, who wrote it, California is now setting the global standard for worker protections for other states and countries to follow. Uh, the legislation makes it harder for companies to classify workers as independent contractors instead of employees. If you've ever been a freelancer, you know the difference. Someone can give you as much freelance work, independent contractor work as they want. Mm-hmm. They don't have to give you health insurance benefits, the things that in California, if someone works for you uh, or in America, they're supposed to. So um, Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash are pushing Newsom to come up with a third option for gig companies and have threatened to spend $90 million on a 2020 ballot measure uh, that I assume would overturn this legislation right. if they're not successful. Um, Newsom has said he wants to keep negotiating. There's a lot up. There's a lot at stake here because there are people, and we know a lot of people who moonlight doing Uber driving, Lyft driving, where that's that extra income is valuable for them. The problem is, and this happens with every technological advancement, cab drivers can put their kids through college. Mm-hmm. They're more expensive, and so. Where do you think the savings that you're getting when you take an Uber as opposed to a cab driver are going, right? That means that the person that's driving is not making as much money. So if it's a moonlighting gig, for sure, but that's where sort of all jobs are going is that like, uh, you know, more of a moonlighting thing than an actual job. I met a cab driver in Laughlin who said he made over $60,000 a year. I would love for all of the Lyft and Uber drivers in the world to be able to say that they were making over $60,000 a year. But what's that going to take from me, the consumer? I don't have a car. I used Uber a lot. I right. use Uber so much I even pay for the pass that gives me the discount on all my rides. If this pill passes and if Uber and it Lyft... It passed. Happens, okay, so... W- w- yeah. If, if the, As if it the takes count, effect. If, yeah, 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 if the counter, whatever that you want to call it, are they going to not, you know, doesn't go through, um, this will affect the bottom line for those businesses. And to be honest with you, if I'm them... The rates go up. Well, yeah. Now I'm asking myself, do I think that the importance of those drivers not working a quote-unquote gig is worth an extra $2 for me per ride? If I'm being honest, yes. Right. Yes, it is worth an extra $2 from me per ride to make sure that that part of the economy doesn't fall apart because I know that something that big in an economy as fragile as ours could absolutely crumble and crush us. It almost happened in 2008. Well, and you, but you're an informed and engaged guy. Um, and you know, we're living, you and I are certainly have not chosen an industry that allows us to, as Isaac Jaffe said, wake up in a million dollar house, but we're also, you know, we're comfortable, right? So that's not everyone, and I don't think everyone agrees with will agree with that. There's people who flat out only take Uber because it's cheaper than a cab. But it's or temporary right? inconvenience for permanent improvement. Right. If you let this but the, continue but, to be a gig, it's not going to get any better. And to be honest with you, it's only going to get worse. Like, so I totally people agree. People getting sexually assaulted in Lyft and Uber. Oh yeah, no. Do you think that's going to happen more or less if that's a certain person's actual job? Right. I bet. Yet less, right? Yes. If they actually are going through background screening and hiring people the way that cab companies do, yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. It's um, not a coincidence that if you pay more for something, it's better. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's the thing. So that, I, And I'm curious to see where Uber goes. I'm curious to see where California goes and the labor unions in California. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where consumers go because I could see all of those groups 
breaking in a lot of different directions. Just to close this up, uh, the bill it, it will not the legislation will not uh, go into effect until January first. So companies have a little bit of time to figure this out. Uh, Uber <laughs> Uber General Counsel Tony West quote has suggested Uber will not automatically start treating its drivers as employees come January first and will defend its current model if it faces legal challenges. So Oof. the lawyer for Uber Tony West not jealous, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Uber spokesman Davis White says, we've engaged in good faith uh, with the legislature, the Newsom administration, and labor leaders for nearly a year on this issue. And we believe California is missing a real opportunity to lead the nation uh, by improving the quality, security, and dignity of independent work, which means preserving our right to not pay those people <laughs> as employees. Uh, you can obviously see where everyone's sort of stakes are yeah, in this This is one. not hard to read between the lines on this story. No, I don't think so. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Jason Ruiz to talk about the city of Long Beach's new agreement with the police union here in the city. This is not the only podcast that we do here with Long Beach Post. We also do our weekly sports show called What Up Long Beach, and this week is a very special edition. We are talking to one Mike Gardabasio and Tyler Hendrickson because they wrote a book. I know those guys. It's about Long Beach Poly High School, scholars and champions, just an incredible amount of work put into a book that really tells an incredible story about an incredible place. So get to wherever you find your podcast right now and download the latest edition of What Up Long Beach. And listen to Mike and Tyler talk about the greatest public school of all time. We're joined by Jason Ruiz, our favorite. Well, I shouldn't say you're our favorite reporter here, but you're one of our favorite people here. I'm a co-founder of this podcast. You're, you, you are moving into co-host status at this point, yes. I, what, I'm a, uh, a, a podcaster emeritus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, happy birthday to your dog. Yeah, that's the real news coming out of last night. By yeah. the way, if anybody ever needs something to to get some serious play, uh, just have Mike retweet it. Yeah, Mike retweet it. <laughs> my dog now, my dog's birthday post, which I put up on Twitter if you follow me, um, is now the single, I think it has more likes on that one post than I have in my entire Twitter <laughs> career. And I owe that to Mike, probably. Well, yes, I'm, I'm very happy to have helped. What's your dog's name? Mango. I'm very happy to have helped Mango reach the masses. Um, so, yeah, so you had your dog's birthday last night as well as a city council meeting. Um, we'll probably talk slightly more about the city council meeting, <laughs> if that's okay. I know you don't want to talk about UCLA football, and I do see that you fully converted yourself into just being a Cowboys fan at this point. So, Absolutely. Yes, I respect your, I respect your decision. Um, strength on strength. So last night, the uh, city council officially approved, adopted their new agreement with the Long Beach Police Department's uh, police union, which includes some... Uh, I don't know if it reaches the point of being called controversial, but it definitely includes some sort of like eye-opening um, stuff about how uh, records requests, public records requests are going to go. So can you kind of break that down for us, uh, you know, what's what's in that agreement? Yeah, so it's normal stuff, like we want to get a 2 3 4% pay raise. 2.5% raise, raise yeah. right, yeah. They get a percentage pay raise for the next three years. Um, they get some extended uh, paid childcare leave, you know, the thing that Europe does better than the United States. Yes. You actually get to spend time with your kids. They, I think they get uh, four, six weeks now. Um, normal stuff that you'd want in a contract of you representing some workers, but also included in it very deep down uh, in the agreement was uh, Section 9, or somebody referred to it last night, 1X, um, 9. <laughs> <laughs> it is 
I only know one X because that's the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. Okay, all right. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> uh, so in that is how PRAs, if you want to request public records from the city manager's office, you fill out this PDF. You can email it um, or you can walk it down there or whatever. You say, I want records uh, relating to emails between the mayor and his chief of staff. And then if there are any, they'll send them to you. Some of them will be redacted, whatever. Right. Do the same with the police department. But in, in Section 9, it says that uh, in, the, in this new agreement, that uh, if you request records, let's say, of like a, the police op- a police officer shot somebody, maybe killed them, or right. I don't know, something. When you request records about that incident, the officer will now be notified not only that there is a request, which is not uncommon, but it happens on the city side too. But they will be uh, I, they will be notified of the identity of the person who's requesting it. And a lot of people took that the wrong way because, or not the wrong way, they took that in a bad way because they felt like that could lead to a chilling effect. Like, well, I don't want to request records about this incident because I don't want this cop to know who I am. Right. You know? uh, and and there are some valid concerns because a lot of the times people it's it's hard enough for people to come forward and re- report crimes sometimes because they're fearful some some communities in the in the city are fearful of the police department so when you add this element into it it some people felt and had expressed that it might lead to people not requesting records right yeah i mean i which i think makes sense but you're saying you think that was sort of like the wrong way to take it why why do you feel that way no, I misspoke. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I corrected well, on the fly. But I do think, so he, So here's my question. If you make the public records request to see the emails between the mayor and his chief of staff, are they notified? They are. In I, other words, is it regular for the subjects of a public records request to know that they're, you know, those records are being requested? Well, according to last night's conversation, it is not a policy, but it does happen. Right. Because I know that, let's say I call somebody from public works and ask about parking on Broadway. Not only does the, for example, (laughs) for an example, (laughs) not only, not only will the city's, uh, head communications person know about it, but then other council people will be notified. They send out a mass email saying, uh, Jason Ruiz from the long beach post is asking about parking on Broadway. Why D Andrews has to be notified of that. I have no idea, but they do because the city is, kind of big brothery okay and they want to cover all of their bases in terms of like well what if he does call d andrews and wants to talk about which i wouldn't ask him about parking on broadway but that's just an example in that instance it could be done as sort of a heads up to the city council person like this is something that could be something you might want to get your information together about or right yeah but i mean you could you could see why that might be more normal because i'm a reporter and there is a chance that i might call one of the city council people to ask them questions about parking on broadway however um a lot of the people in the audience last night felt like that wasn't similar to a police officer being notified of a, I mean, whatever you could tell them that there's a, a PRA for records in, involving them, but they were asking, why do they have to know the identity of the person? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair question. Was that answered in a meaningful way? <laughs> I no. Mean, for, like, for, <laughs> I mean, for example, I don't consider myself the most intimidating person, but I am comfortable saying that like, I'm less 
intimidated by Mark Taylor than I would be by a police officer I was trying to get more information about. You know what I mean? Mark is a very sweet man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And like... <laughs> last night, I think, was his last city council meeting. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was a big party. Anyway, <laughs> yes, right. Mark Taylor is less intimidating than a police officer who has a gun. Right. Not to say that they're going to use it, but no, I mean... but they professionally carry a weapon, which is not true of most city bureaucrats or workers or right. whatever. You, you give Pee Wee Herman a gun, he becomes a lot more intimidating. Right. right. I, yes, that's the whole thing about them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even if I had a gun, you might think that I'm, I'm intimidated. Anyways. So I know um, Janine Pierce, uh, the councilwoman for downtown Long Beach, brought up this. Uh, she, she brought up this. Uh, Saga. Yeah, she brought up that she did. She was the only person who voted against it, right? Yeah. And so can you explain why she did that and, and what her statements reflected, you know, from her side on that? Well, a few years ago, there was an incident on... Uh, the freeway involving her and her chief of staff. And then once that became public, the media, like me and everybody, everybody yes. in this newsroom put in PRAs to say like, Oh, that's weird. Are, are they having in a, a relationship? We would like to see what kind of email exchanges they've had. And uh, oddly enough, people use their city uh, emails to correspond with people. They shouldn't be having, you know, relationships right. with yes. regardless, regardless. She said, I was given a five minute Notification that this is being sent out to the public, but here in this PR, in this police contract, we're saying that we're not only going to give the police officers five days, up to, or at least five days to review what's going to go out, but we're, that five days is meant for them to be able to possibly uh, file a legal injunction, I guess if you want to call it that, right. to stop the release of it. In which case, the it would go to a. a a judge and a judge would then decide if what was being released was appropriate or they could pick out parts of the documents to say that they're um, irrelevant or, or not appropriate to be released to the public. So she was saying that we're, if we're going to have a policy, it should apply to everybody. It shouldn't just be for the police department. I, I want this to apply to everybody that works for the city, including city council members, chief of staff, Mark Taylor, who doesn't right. work for the city any, or he yes. won't be, you know, so in addition to the PRA process now, what other people commented on during the meeting was that this, combined with the fact that now passed in the budget, the police off, uh, the Long Beach Police Department is now wanting to require people to pay the entire price of editing out video when they do request a PRA. So you put in a PRA for a video from somebody's body camera, and it costs four, five, six, seven thousand dollars to edit it. They want the person requesting it to pay for that. Right. There there were some people who were saying that this these are coordinated attempts by the Long Beach Police Department to not to not comply with the recently passed statewide transparency law that passed that said that office police departments have to release records that are relevant to cases where officers were dishonest, where someone was killed, uh, et cetera. And, and, and Long Beach is not the only department that's, that's taking measures like this, but some people in the public feel that this is uh, layered attempts to make it harder for people or to disincentivize people from requesting records at all. So they could, on one hand, say, 
we're complying with the with the uh, law because we have the records available. But also, if you want them, it's going to cost a lot of money, and the cop that you're requesting the records on is going to know who you are. Right. Which adds up to not a great feeling, right? <laughs> so, for you, or for a citizen, or for anyone who's filing that uh, public rights request, obviously. Right. So, what the city is going to do now uh, is they're going to expand the the ability. I guess so. On the city manager's side, like if you request documents from the city, they have a way to do it anonymously. Uh, they're going to try to make it a little bit more uh, noticeable on the website, so people can know. Um, how to do it, and it's more accessible. Uh, the Long Beach Police Department's website doesn't currently have this feature act- activated, so they're going to... Tom Modica, the new acting city manager, said that it, this feature can be turned on very easily and that they'll look into doing it. So so we'll maybe, see how that shakes out. You can, right. Yeah, it's still going to cost a lot of money, potentially, but you can at least do it anonymously. You can, oh. And you can fill out your $8,000 check as anonymous. I don't know, you know. Redact, redact the uh, address at the top. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that all makes sense. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and explaining that, and happy birthday to Mango. Thank you so much. All right, our thanks to Jason for joining us and making sense of that. Obviously, very uh, kind of tangled up issue. Be curious to see where that goes over the next few years. We are going to close with our Long Beach soapboxes we do each and every week. Uh, mine's a happy one, so I'll go first. Oh, nice. Uh, I just uh, We just had back-to-school night for my son at his elementary school. I think I've mentioned before he just started first grade. And I just want to say I'm so happy and grateful to live in a city that still has the feel for elementary schools, for middle schools of a community school that I walk the kid to school every day. We pass our neighbors. We all cross the street with a crossing guard together. Um, at back to school night, I go and I see Stacy Alexander, our friend at Cabrillo apparently has kids there. A coach in Long Beach Poly has a kid nice. in the same class as my son. Uh, tennis coach at Long Beach Poly has a, her, his daughter in the same class as my son. It's like an episode so of Cheers. It really was. I was walking around and I think I had a friend of mine from high school that's got his two kids at the elementary school. Uh, I ran into a couple other old friends of mine. My wife actually went to the same elementary school that our son goes to and ran into a friend of hers from elementary school who she had not seen since elementary school also has her daughter at the same school. So I, I just like, it's one of those moments that at back to school and I was kind of looking around and I was like, this is why we all saved money for 13 years to try and yep. stay in the city and get a house and, and, you know, do the whole thing. So just feeling very lucky to be a long beach guy right now. That's a great point. Mine's not positive. I know I've done this one before. So okay. on my soapbox, I'm telling everybody specifically the people who live in Belmont shore scoot up. When you're parking, the parking in Belmont Shore is out of control bad. People have zero consideration for where someone's driveway is, how someone else is going to fit in the spot that you've just created by parking on that one way street. Have some consideration. Scoot up. Like you're going to park in this. You don't have to go bumper to bumper. You don't have to go bumper to bumper. You don't block people in. That's not what I'm saying. But imagine if there's another car trying to park behind you or in front of you. Which and there is. There will be, eventually. <laughs> Make sure that there's enough space for them. Use your mind as if you are waiting for a friend to come park in the spot that's in front of you or behind you. So make it easy for them. And if we all do that, it will be so much easier to park around 2nd Street. My friend tr- came down to try to park at, uh, on, uh, on my street the other day and was like, I've got to go four blocks, but I drove by five half spots. 
Yeah, yeah. Unacceptable, yeah. dude. Just scoot up. Well, I think this has always been my opinion. Like, I love driving. I got my learner's permit the day I was eligible. I got my driver's license on my 16th birthday. Like, I can't ever see myself hitting the auto drive on a car until I'm, like, 80 or something. <laughs> but I would happily give parking over to the robots tomorrow for the whole city, Ooh. for the whole world. You know what I mean? So you just like, kind of leave your car with a robot and they go park it? Just, like, that it's, like, you drive home to your street and there's, like, a it's, like, a valet or something. Yeah. And it's just that, like, the robot sort themselves so they'll move the cars even you know what i mean it's but it's just like idea somebody get elon musk on the phone but whenever i say because i think the same thing you see all the time like the the post has done a lot of reporting on like the parking crisis in alamitos beach and and other places and i just always think like there is more space than we're using i gotta be honest <laughs> with you i gotta be honest with you as somebody who lived on the peninsula parking on the peni is actually really good because those people go to those beaches a lot and they understand the parking situation. Yeah, for sure. It's specifically in Belmont Shore. People who go to Second Street and don't live down there who are just like, ooh, 45-yard spot. I'm going to park right in the middle of it. I know what you're saying. You're saying it's Huntington Beach people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us for the Long Beach 30. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Subscribe to us. Leave us a review. We'll see you next week, Long Beach. <laughs>